Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate you. Appreciate all of you. And uh, so it was great. Actually, I was just standing there. We, you know, we did this worship and all that, and the kids came up and we dismissed them. And one of the kids comes up and he says, "George, Pastor George, I really want to talk to you about my profession of faith." No, he said, George, I got a new skateboard. Did you bring your board today so we can ride in the parking lot after church? So we had become like the skateboard hangout club church now, apparently, which is awesome. So spread the word, tell the kids, bring your boards to church and we'll have a party out in the parking lot after worship. So Kellel and I are gonna ride after the service. That'll be awesome. Hey, we have kicked off our God is Green series here in this season of creation. And I just want to give you a quick update uh, because some fun things are already unfolding, at least for me, and I hope for us as a church community, because last week I shared that just in posting that we're going to be talking about God as creator and our role as stewards in this stewardship season, uh, that I got that kind of snarky, condescending uh, social media post and uh, had to block a, a guy because, you know, who's got time for that kind of stuff. Um, but then another friend listened to the message and he sent it to a guy that he knows in Madison, Wisconsin, that works at the university there. And then that guy apparently listened to or watched the message. And then he reached out to me and he said, do you want to be part of a pastor's forum that I'm bringing together in November to talk about how churches can get better at doing stewardship and creation care? So apparently I've been invited to some cool little, I've never been invited to anything in my life. I mean, so this is all exciting. So I'm going to go off and there's going to be a bunch of pastors there and we're going to talk about what it means for churches to love the creator and to take seriously our call and our role as stewards. So, wow, that's exciting. So there you go. Um, things are already unfolding. Last week, we did dig into God simply as our creator, recognizing that God called into existence by his word, by his will, uh, that creation is. But more than that, I wanted you to walk away with that understanding how that God is ultimately and continues to be interested in and a part of the providence of creation. Psalm 104 really highlighted that for us. And then I gave you the assignment uh, to keep reading through Genesis chapter 1. You can even read on into Genesis chapter 2 if you want and to reflect upon the creation story. I invite you to read Psalm uh, 104 yourselves and to maybe add your own verses of praising God for the glory and the work of the creation. And then I invited you just to start maybe intentionally doing once a week or once a day or more even something green, maybe to reflect on those five R's of refuse and reduce and reuse and rot and compost things and ultimately to recycle. Just making simple steps forward to try and show God we're gonna try and care for your creation to the best of our knowledge and to the best of our abilities. And now today we're gonna move deeper into this role now as stewards. And to set the stage there, of course, let's go to God's word. Chris got me a new clicker. He was so tired of me not being able to work the technology that he got me a new little system here. So now we're gonna say a little prayer, wishing this up here to God and saying, let's hope this all works. We're gonna jump into Genesis chapter one, gonna read verses 26 through 31. Oh, look at that. It's going to happen. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill excuse me, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can say that, by the way. I know some of you grew up in churches that said, this is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you know, I actually, it lets me know you're actually engaging and listening. So I do appreciate the feedback happening there. Okay, you got the word of God. You got that role then of naming all that stuff. So quiz time, pull out your number two pencils, pull out your Scantron. Don't you dare look at your neighbor's sheet. This is being proctored. You No, but I'm gonna give you a quiz now. And you are allowed to answer if you know the answers to these, except my wife, I prepped her on this. So you're, you're, you, you, can't, you can't answer these. We're gonna get into the naming of all these things of creation in chapter two in just a little bit here. Who here can name the state tree of Colorado? Apparently I'm just gonna start giving out the answers because people aren't gonna know. So blue spruce, who knows the state bird? The lark bunting, yeah, you, yeah, I love that one. Who knows the state mammal? The bighorn sheep. I'm just gonna run through these. If you're watching from another state or my friends and family in Canada, just you know, learn something about Colorado and then you take the lesson will apply to you in your own context. What is our state flower? Ah, yeah, we knew that one, Columbine. How about our state reptile? We have a state reptile. The Western painted turtle. Who can name our state amphibian? We have a state amphibian. <laughs> it is the Western tiger salamander. And it's the coolest looking thing, by the way. Look up a picture of it. Who can name our state fish? Bingo. Wow, Grace, all right. The uh, greenback, technically the greenback cutthroat trout, I read. Who can name our state grass? We have a state grass. The blue grama. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, look it up too. Who can name our state soil? I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. I believe it's pronounced the sets soil. Who here can name our growing zone or our growing zones in Colorado? Colorado contains growing zones two all the way through seven. Denver alone has growing zones 5B through 6A. Some of you have already lost. You have no idea what I'm talking about. But here's the thing, my people. It is time for us to learn about naming and understanding the things in our creation. A lot of us, a lot of us, we may have some street smarts, but 
I want you to have some stream smarts. Yes, you heard that first. I hope that goes viral. I think that's the cleverest thing I've ever come up with in my life. We have a lot of street smarts. We have a lot of cultural smarts in our lives. But do we still have any stream smarts? Do we still know what's going on in the world where we live, that God has placed us? The fact of the matter is, I probably know more about what Hollywood produces than what the land produces. I, I know more about, I'm guessing, you know, what the music industry is making than what the food industry is all about. I know more about the football season than the growing seasons around here. Who else would be guilty of that? I mean, I'd probably know more about clothing labels. I can probably look out, at, well, my wife and daughter certainly can look out and name clothing labels, but can you look out and beyond saying it's a bird or it's a tree? Could you know the label? Could you know the name? Could you know how to identify the things in God's creation all around us? We know more about probably what's on sale in the stores around us than the phase of the moon because a lot of us can't even remember the last time we looked up to look at the moon or the stars or the night sky beyond saying, well, that's a nice sunset anyways and getting on with our lives. I'm not saying any of this. I'm not going through this quiz to try and, of course, heap guilt or condemnation, this is my own self, you know, sort of indictment here. I have become in so many ways very detached from the environment, from the world, from the creation where God has placed me. Because it is very possible to go into my air-conditioned and heated home and not know what's going on outside. It's very possible to get into my car and never know what's actually happening with the weather on any given day. How many times do I see kids going out to the bus stop in the middle of winter in shorts and a t-shirt here in Colorado? Somehow we seem to just be, a, we've become so far removed and detached from the very world where God has placed us. And what I wanna do through the course of this series is again, not to kind of heap on any guilt or condemnation, there's no win in that, but to say, hey, maybe it's time that we become a little bit more aware. And if we become a little bit more aware, maybe we can be a little bit more interested. Things that we are aware of, we get a little more interested in. Things that we get a little bit more interested in, well, maybe we might care a bit more about. And if we care a bit more about it, well, maybe that is gonna move us to action. And of course, that is the point of all of this, is to move us to some action, to gain an awareness and an understanding of God, our creator, to gain an awareness and understanding of our role as stewards in God's creation, to start to open up our eyes and to look around and to embrace even the very context where we live out our lives. Again, nothing wrong with knowing what's going on culturally in our midst, but what's going on creationally in our midst? What's going on creationally in this very environment where we find ourselves living, where we find and believe that God has actually placed us here at this time, in this place, for this purpose, for this season, perhaps God has placed us. So again, I want us to move us along as I wanna move myself along this trajectory of knowing more, being aware more, being interested more, caring more, and ultimately, acting more. Okay, so with that said, today, I want us to um, look into our unique role as stewards. In order to do that, let me dip back a little bit into last week to move us now forward in this. Last week, we didn't use the words, but what we were really talking about uh, was God is both transcendent and imminent within his creation. Okay, don't 
don't, don't phase out, don't check out. I think you're going to find this not just interesting, but again, very applicable for our role and our call as stewards. We saw there in that creation story that God is clearly transcendent. He is eternal. He's outside of the creation. There was a time when there wasn't creation, but there was never a time when there wasn't God. It's mind-blowing. It's wonderful. It's glorious. We understand that God is over. God is above. God is transcendent over creation. But then God speaks and makes creation. God causes creation. But then we find that God moves forward then in a new kind of relationship, in a new way of being, that he will continue to be transcendent. Our triune God of grace and love is still over and above, but he has become imminent and invested in the creation. And that's what Psalm 4 rose for us. As opposed to other philosophies or belief systems, uh, deists that might say, well, maybe God set the whole thing in motion, but now he just stepped outside and it just kind of runs like a clock that he got to be ticking. And, you know, you've probably read or heard about these uh, philosophies and ideologies and those things. No, Psalm 4 would clearly just say, no, God set the foundations of the earth. God causes the rains to fall. He makes the sun rise and the sun set. He feeds the birds in their time. He feeds the animals in the ground in their time. He brings the season. And, you know, so over and over, we see that God continues to be a part of and sustain the creation. So are you still with me? Do we get it? Do we see how our transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, all those wonderful attributes of God is now the God who is a part of the creation and a part of the creation with us? And so with that said now, God now has it vested in us an eminence and a transcendence. Again, I'm just asking you to go along with me on this journey. I think you'll find it interesting and incredibly helpful to understand our role as stewards. You see, there is something about us that is very imminent and yet transcendent in the creation. Let's hit that imminent part. We learned in that story that I just read from Genesis 1 that we are actually a part of creation. We are made on the earth, we are made of the stuff of the earth, and that we were made for the earth. Point one, we were made on the earth. We are a part of the creation story. On day one, God made the day and the night. And then on, God, on day four, God fills the day and the night with the sun and the moon again. Scientifically, it doesn't make sense. It's not a science manual. It's the creation story that shows how God orders and fills the creation. So we have day one making the spaces, day four filling the spaces. The pattern continues. Day two, God separates the sky and the sea. And then on day five, he fills the sea with the fish and the sky with the birds of the air. On day three, he separates the waters to the dry land and fills the dry land with the vegetation. And then on day six, he creates all the animals, all the insects, and ultimately then the image bears. He creates us as image bears. So we are a part. We are day six. We are there at the formation of the creation. We are part of the creation. Not only that, we are made from the creation. I'm not going to read the story. You're going to read it this coming week. But as now God then steps back in the telling of the story in the chapter two, he actually, in a sense, slows down the time, goes back into that day six, and he tells us a little bit more of how it unfolded. 
And again, it isn't like a science textbook story. It's a narrative of God spelling out the relationship that he wants with us and the nature of our role that we were to serve in the creation. And what does it say specifically? The one point I want you to remember there is we all probably know the name of the first man, Adam, right? Yeah, yeah. even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably picked that up along the line somewhere. He makes this guy Adam. But how does he make Adam? He makes Adam from the Adama. I mean, basically, he, he, he makes a dirt man. He makes a dirt guy. I mean, I mean Adam is the Adama. You know, his, his name is dirt. His name is dust. His name is earth. That is the first man. He is not just made in the creation. He is made actually of the creation, of the dust, the dirt of the ground. God formed the man and then breathed life into him. Adam is a part of the creation. He is a made from the stuff of creation. But then we begin to see as it unfolds, God, Adam is uniquely made for the creation. And God is, and, and Adam is made for the creation, and then Eve is made for the creation also. And what we see, one of the first roles that Adam is going to have is this naming and knowing of the creation. We probably also heard culturally kind of these jokes to know something biblically um, can have a sexual connotation. Like I, we, we kind of heard that. We kind of, oh, you know, and he knew. Yes, yes. But naming isn't just, um, and knowing isn't just sexual in, in nature. You know, don't get, get hung up on that. It says that Adam came to know and name the creatures in God's creation. Just as God formed the creation, then God wants the image bearer, Adam and Eve, to then be a part of the knowing and the loving and the serving. And that begins with the naming. And, and the naming begins to spell out then literally for us the intimacy and the relationship that we are to hold with creation. Because you can't really name and know things without very often loving and serving that thing as well. Um, this summer, we went to Hawaii to visit my daughter, and uh, we hadn't done this for a long time, but we uh, had to rent a car. And apparently there's an expression out there, drive it like a, you know that, drive it like a rental? <laughs> drive it like a rental. Well, I wasn't actually on the list. It was my wife who was driving the whole time. That was a part of my Sabbath. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't like driving. I said, you can, you can have your name on it. You can drive the car the whole time. Oh, I'm just telling you, she drove it like a rental. I mean, she drove that thing like a maniac. She was trying to catch air over every bump and to drift that thing. No, all right, I'm exaggerating slightly. But it turns out there's a thing about driving it like a rental where you don't really care about it quite as much as your own. But then I actually had a better illustration. I went to visit, we went to visit some friends of ours on the East Coast, Sam and Kim. Sam and Kim have been dear friends for more than 30 years now. I stood at his wedding. Uh, he stood at my wedding. We've probably been together every year for 25 years now. We, we've maintained a wonderful friendship and relationship with Sam and Kim. We went to visit with them. We hung out with them. I was using that as an opportunity to go and visit my parents as well. And Sam and Kim let us borrow their car. Now, I know Sam and Kim. I love Sam and Kim. I have a relationship with Sam and Kim. How do you think I drove Sam and Kim's car? I actually probably drove Sam and Kim's car better than I drove my own car. 
I actually filled that car up with, well, okay, it wasn't the high grade, it was the mid grade. All right, there are limits to my love of Sam and Kim in that car. But I always even like when I was returning, I was like, oh, we're gonna give it the good stuff. We went for the mid grade fill up on that car because I am going to hand that back over to Sam and Kim. And whenever I do, I wanna be able to say, Sam and Kim, thank you for the car. I had a great visit with my family. It was beautiful. And I want them to know that, I mean, again, for me, it was actually, I didn't just treat this thing like my own. I actually treated it like yours. I treated it better. I wanna give it back to you in better shape than whenever you lent it to me. I think that is helping us to begin getting at this role that God wants us to have as his stewards for this world that he has made and that in a sense he has loaned to us for our blessing, for our benefit, for our use and for our service. How are we going to hand the keys back to God when Christ comes again? Let me drive this home before I move on to the transcendent part in just a moment. A lot of us that grew up in a more traditional service, one of the doxologies, one of the uh, responses to the worship service that we sang, it's actually still a beautiful thing. Uh, maybe next week we should start singing this. Take a note, Chris, let's start doing this next week. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. Have... How many people have never even really thought about that? World without end. Amen, amen. Somehow we have fallen victim. Somehow we've been pulled into this errant, dare I say heretical, I hate to throw out words like that, teaching that again, I'm going to keep bringing up and keep coming around to that Christians have seemed to have adopted this, let the world go to hell in the handbasket kind of mentality and attitude. Meanwhile, we're singing world without end. I'm gonna come back to this again in the last week. When God cleansed the world in the time of the flood with Noah, what did he cleanse it of? He cleansed it of evil and sin. And he let the righteous reign and rise up again. And when Jesus promises to come again with purifying fire, what is he going to do? Is he going to take away all of the saints? No, he's going to again cleanse the world of sin and unrighteousness and injustice so that the saints can live in a sin-free and beautiful world. We aren't aiming towards the destruction of the world. We sing glory to God for the world without end. Because again, we're handing the keys back to Christ when he returns. And Christ holds some of his sternest words and some of his parables to people who steward poorly. To people whom he says, you're not handing the keys back to me in quite the condition that I was hoping you would. You see, we need to embrace the teaching of scriptures that show that we are the stewards of the creator, the owner, and he's entrusted to our care as we are a part of it. And he's coming again to glorify it, to redeem it, to reclaim it, and to renew it. And there, in that new kingdom, in that new creation, the new heavens and the earth, we will reign forever. Remember, heaven is of ultimate importance, but 
it's not the end of the world. Remember that from last week? Heaven is of ultimate importance, but it's not the end of the world. It is when Christ comes and brings heaven and eternity with him through the creation. We are imminently a part of God's creation. Therefore, we should care most of all. But that begins to point us to the transcendent part of us. Just as God is transcendent and he became imminent in his creation, God made us imminently a part of the creation, and yet we know that he has put eternity in the hearts of men and women, right? There is something transcendent. There is something over and above. There is something eternal about us. And that is the unique role that we have as stewards of the creation. Nothing else was said to have the image and the likeness of God, only men and women, only us as image bears. This points us to our transcendent part. When God gets into that creation of Adam in, that, in the Genesis story that we just read, of course, three times we read, and the image, let, in our image, let us make man. In our likeness, male and female, he created them. In God's image and likeness, he created them over and over again. That threefold repeat. Whenever scripture says things in repeated mode, that's kind of like the emphasis. So, so God emphasizing over and over again, you are my image bearers. You are my image bearers. You bear my likeness. Unlike anything else, you bear my likeness. Now, what we can point out from that. And I only thought of it this week because we've been hearing so much stuff about the royal family. And I guess tomorrow is the, uh, the final laying to rest, right, of, of, Queen, of Queen Elizabeth and King Charles. Uh, it is interesting to me how they still speak in the royal we, right? You know, th there's always that royal we, you know, we shall, you know, have uh, the, the, the pheasant under glass for dinner tonight. I don't know why I always think of pheasant under glass as a fancy meal in British monarchs. I have no idea where they came from, you know, but they're always speaking in the royal we. This, there's an element perhaps of the royal we in our likeness, you know, let us make man. Um, but more often theologians point to, th this is kind of pointing us towards the triune God that we know revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and it's pointing us to this relational being that is God. That God before creation had the beauty of relationship, had the beauty of being in communion with God's self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is inviting us again into that relationship. And therein lies the heart of the image of God. We are made in the image of a being in relationship. And the relationship that we are to reflect like the image of God is the relationship with God being brought into the royal we. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with one another. Then the story goes on to talk about the creation of the man and the creation of the woman. We were made to be in a relationship with one another, but also written all over the stories of the relationship that we are to have with God's creation itself. What is the relationship that is to characterize us as stewards now of all that God has made? I'm going to jump ahead here for this because I don't want you to miss this point. What we know then as image bears is we are told to be fruitful and multiply. That makes us no different than anything else in creation. He says that same order to all the fish and the birds and the lands and the animal. They're fruitful and they multiply. We, we know that. But then God goes deeper. You're not just to be fruitful and multiply like everything else. You now also have rule and dominion. Nothing else is said to have rule and dominion. 
Now, here's the easy thing for us to do right now. We can simply say, what kind of rule and dominion would you like over your life? Do you like a kind of rule and dominion that is oppressive and narcissistic uh, and cruel and mean-spirited and selfish? And that, you know, no. So you can easily push against a rule and dominion that isn't characterized by grace and love and service and all of that stuff. Which, well, we should. I mean, we should. We could just push against that idea of a rule and a dominion that is not done in love. But let's look for the Bible to help better understand the Bible. If you look at those words, to rule and have dominion, and I have to write this down because, again, I'm a preacher. I'm not a Hebrew teacher. But anytime you want to find something that might be troublesome, like rule and dominion, wow. It seems like those words could be interpreted in a lot of different ways or even misinterpreted or even used in a selfish or advantageous way for myself. So, again, not a Hebrew scholar, just a preacher. I certainly had to pause long enough to say, what are those words really getting at? So I went on my Blue Letter Bible app. Oh, by the way, here's a bonus. I had to pay like hundreds of dollars for Logo software when I was in seminary over 20 years ago. If you want to study Greek and Hebrew, I get no kickbacks for this, but I should. Blue Letter Bible is the coolest app. You just like pull that up and you look and you find Hebrew and Greek words and it gives you a whole word study. So there's, there's a bonus. I'm not so smart. I just pull this stuff out of the air. <laughs> Certainly not. So I'm like rule and dominion. What are these words? Rule and dominion are from these words kabas and rada. And then I thought, where do these words appear elsewhere? And one of the places where it appears all over the place is in Psalm 72. So again, I'm just doing my due diligence here as a pastor, trying to make my seminary and my studies worthwhile and trying to impress you maybe. Um, so Psalm 72 here talks about this rule and dominion all over the place. So let's now hear these words from Psalm 72 in light of God saying, I want you guys and gals to have rule and dominion. So here's what Psalm 72 says. Endow the king with your justice, O Lord, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people. May the hills bear the fruit of your righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people. May he save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, for he will deliver the needy who cry out. He will deliver the afflicted who have no one else to help them. He will take pity on the weak and the needy. He will save them from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. And the last part, all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. What kind of rule and dominion do we want, just like on a political level, on like a societal, on a cultural level? In the end, we want the kind of rule and dominion that would cause us to say, we are blessed and blessed is the one who is bringing this righteousness, this justice, this, pro this prosperity, this help. Therefore, that is the kind of rule and dominion that God is inviting us to exercise. 
a kind of rule and dominion that would cause the, all of creation to cry out, thank you. <laughs> we are blessed because of the work and the rule and the reign that is demonstrated by the people of God. The other thing that we can do right now is jump to the one who should show us more than anyone else how we are to exercise rule and dominion, which should point us, of course, right to Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus Christ, the one who could claim all rule and dominion, all power and authority, came not to be served, but to serve, and even more, to give his life as a ransom. If the rule and reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could be characterized by not just service, but also sacrifice, how much more for us who should rule and reign in his stead as his stewards? To the one who is coming back who will say, show me the keys to the car, what are we going to hand back to him? Are we going to say we served and we sacrificed and we stewarded in a way that we can honorably, gloriously now show you all that we have done as your people, as your church. Okay, Ben, I need you to come up so I get to drive this home. Here's the thing. Let's bring it all the way back around here. If we only focus on the imminence of people, that we are a part of creation, we know that ultimately for many, this will lead to hopelessness. If I'm just a part of the creation, if this life is all there is, if this world is all there is, if my time is but a fleeting moment in the scope of the universe and all the creation, that can lead to a lot of hopelessness, right? What's the point? What does it matter? Who am I anyways? Oh, well, to hell with it all. And again, I say that theologically, whatever. We can see that it leads to a great hopelessness in the lives of many that are so wrapped up in only the imminence in our part of the creation. If we only focus on the transcendence, which I think is the appropriate critique for many in the church, well, then we'd also somehow become very cavalier about it. Well, isn't this uh, just a fleeting moment in our time with God? You know, well, you know, who cares anyways? If we only focus on the transcendence, we can miss the whole point of God making the creation, making us a part of it, and pro Christ promised to return to it. So I think we just need to bring these back into balance. I think we need to understand our role as the part of the creation, but also understand that in our rule and dominion over creation, that we uniquely have the power to affect the creation for very destructive ways, but also for very positive, beneficial beautiful ways. And so there's our assignment for the coming week. Read through Genesis 1 and read through Genesis 2. Keep reading that Psalm 104. Keep reflecting on some green things that you can do, some stewardship things you can do, but also reflect on the balance that we are invited to maintain in our own lives. We are a part of creation, and yet we are over creation. We are intimately invested in creation, and yet we exercise rule and dominion over the creation. Will my rule and dominion bring death and destruction and despair and havoc, or could my rule and dominion bring beauty and bounty and blessing for myself, for my children, 
for future generations should Christ not return in our lifetime. That's the invitation. That's the scope. That's the story. And in the meantime, get to know the names of some of the things around you. You might just like it, and you might get a little more invested and care a little bit more. Sound good? All right. Let's pray. Let's worship God a little bit more then. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your creation. And now by the power of your word revealed to us, I pray that we could come away now having a deeper sense and understanding. And maybe some of us need to just really sit with this a little bit to say, wow, yeah, I'm a part of creation. That's obvious. <laughs> I eat, I drink, I breathe, I sleep. I was born, I'm aging. <laughs> I'm definitely a part of creation. But I'm also uniquely an image bearer in your creation. And I have a transcendence over this creation because you've put eternity in our hearts. You put eternity on us. And so let us move forward now with the right balance as being your stewards, your image bearers, the one made in your likeness. And may we rule and reign in a way that will bring beauty, that will bring blessing, that will bring a bounty and abundance for ourselves and for all of our neighbors. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.